This morning, our message will come from the sixth chapter of the book of Galatians. But before I read that, I'd like to read to you a passage found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. How do you live to reach others? What does the scripture say to us about our lives? Certainly it all begins with the plan of salvation when we accept Jesus Christ and ask him to come into our life to cleanse us of our sins. That is the first step. That is the beginning of the Christian life. The Bible teaches us to work out your own salvation. Now what does that mean? Well, that means once we have become saved eternally, that we are to grow in our spiritual maturity as believers for Christ. That we are to become more and more like Him in our attitude, in our thinking, in in our actions as human beings. So that as the world begins to see us, it will no longer see us, but it will see Christ through us. That becomes the mission. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning with verse 1, Paul begins to describe for us a very important element of the Christian life. Listen to what he says. He says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong, a a clanging cymbal. He said, guys, I may be able to speak in any language. I may even have the gift to speak in the language of the angels. I may be able to communicate the gospel in many multiple tongues around the world. But no matter how great I might preach, or even if I could speak with the tongues of the angels, if the love of Christ doesn't rule in my heart, I'm just a lot of noise. Then he goes on. If they have the gift to preach or prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge. And if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. He said, you may have the kind of faith that can pray and that whole mountain over there be be moved. I remember reading about a church some years ago that, that had no place to park. And because of the regulations of the city, they couldn't do much about it. But they had a piece of property. And on their piece of property that joined their church, there was just a mountain of dirt. It wasn't level enough to use. And they knew that if only somehow that piece of property could be leveled out, they'd have all the parking in the world. But there was nothing they could do. It would cost thousands and thousands of dollars to move all that dirt. The church began to meet and pray about it. A few weeks later, after serious prayer on behalf of the church, they were contacted by the road department. Said, we desperately need soil to fill with. We wonder if we could buy that hillside right there by your church. Isn't it amazing what God can do? But the Bible says, even if we have that kind of faith, and if we have not love, We are not much use to the kingdom of God. Verse 3 says, if I give all I possess to the poor and I surrender my body to the flames. In other words, I die for Christ, but have not love, I have gained nothing. That's, That's pretty hard to swallow. I would be willing to be a martyr, he said, for Christ. But even in that willingness, as far as reaching people and touching them with the love of Christ, if I don't have that love in my heart, even a martyr can't accomplish a lot. Love is patient. 
Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. On it goes. To paint for us the beautiful picture of the heart of Christ. Folks, love is not just an emotion. It is a choice of action. When I'm taught by Scripture to love people, it doesn't mean that I like them. There's some people in this world I don't like. Brother Ken, don't say that. Well, I'm just being honest. Sometimes I get up in the morning and look in the mirror and I don't like who I see. So just to give you an idea. There's some things in our life that's not always likable. But the Bible has taught me to treat people with love. That means I look out for their good. I care about what happens to them. The way I must choose to respond and act toward them must be an action not of hatred, but of love. With that backdrop in mind, I want you to notice what Paul says to us in the sixth chapter of the book of Galatians. He comes now to the end of this book as he's writing to these believers. He has said so much to them. But now he lays out for them in these last verses, in the sixth chapter, five very clear, very specific traits that when they are applied to our life, help us to live lives that can reach others. Listen to what he says in these verses. Chapter 6, I'd like to read just a few verses, 1 through 10, and I'll stop there. He says, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. The word here means overwhelming burden. Carry each other's overwhelming burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to someone else. For each one should carry his own load. Anyone who receives instructions in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. But the one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Now there are a lot of things said here. I want to take a few moments and isolate a few of the truths that he has shared with us. Chapter 6, verse 5. Let me read what he says to us in that verse. For each one should carry his own load. I think if we in this world are going to represent Christ to others, we have a responsibility to do our own part, to carry our own individual load. Now, let me give you an example at home. You know, this can happen with the kids real easy. Have you ever heard of magic drawers? Most of you have a Chester drawer or something of that nature at your house, and socks go in there, right? And t-shirts and all those clothes. Do you have a child at your house that has magic drawers? 
Now, what are magic drawers? Those are the drawers that when they get ready to get something, they magically appear in the drawers. Have you ever seen that? Most of us grow up with magic drawers to some extent. But there comes a time somewhere along the way we have to come to the realization for the magic drawers to work, somebody's got to put them in there, right? You following me here? It was pouring down raining. Lady was stopped on the side of the road. She had flat tire. She had managed to get the jack into the car and was jacking it up and it stopped. And she had the lug wrench on the lugs and you could just, he could see her as he drove by. She's pulling and she's twisting. She's doing all she can to get the lugs off that car. Now you know how excited he was about stopping the car. But he stopped and he got out. And he undone the lugs. He put the spare on the car. And he was about to let the jack down. And this woman's standing outside in the rain with him the whole time. Bless her heart. And as he's about to let the car down, he says, sir, she says, sir, would you please let it down gently? My husband is asleep in the back seat. (laughs) About that time, he kicked the jack out. No, I'm just kidding. Responsibly. We are to live responsibly. If I owe a bill, I'm supposed to pay it. The Bible says, oh, no man. Now, does that mean I can't take a loan out? Boy, we're all in trouble, right? No. That loan's not due till the 15th or the 12th or the 1st or whenever it is, right? It's not due yet. You don't owe it till it's due. But that does mean if I make a commitment as a Christian, I need to pay my bill on time. They ever get in trouble? Sometimes we all do, and we have to figure out a way to make arrangements. But we have a responsibility, if I will be able to pay it as a Christian. I've known ministers in communities that became famous for the fact he won't pay his bills. Well, I know that if you get down to the bottom line, some of them wouldn't make enough to pay a bill. But that's not the point in their case. The point is this. No matter who we are, from the preacher in the pulpit to the man in the pew... If we owe a bill as a Christian, we have a responsibility to pay it. We are to live responsible lives. Every man shall bear his own burden. If I have a job to do, I do it. If I have to test kid I'm to study for, I study for it. That's your responsibility. I never will forget being in a seminary class and, and uh, we're having prayer right before the class. And, one, and the student that's praying that day says, And, oh, Lord, be with us as we're about to take this test. And before he realized that one of the guys in the classroom said, What test? That's not being too prepared, is it? We have a responsibility in life. If I borrow something, I return it. If I make a commitment, I keep it. That's living the responsible Christian life. Let every man bear his own burden. That's exactly what that means. We are to live responsibly. Guys, why is that important? Because if we live out here in this world and we're not responsible, it negates the witness. We can share Jesus with everybody we come in contact with, but if we live irresponsible lives, we negate our witness. Am I right? We're to live responsibly. Secondly, we're to live humbly. A proud person pushes himself up. 
by pushing others down. I want to go back to chapter 5, verse 26. It says, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. If anyone thinks he's something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself. It is a challenge to live an humble life before Christ. Paul said, I will never boast anything except for the cross of Christ. Guys, he was brilliant. He was a road scholar. Paul was brilliant. He, he had lived a moral life other than the fact he was fighting Christians because he thought that's what God wanted him to do. He had tried harder than anyone to honor God. He was on the wrong track, but he was trying. But when he looked at his life... He said, in all reality, the only thing I can brag about is Jesus. Because I was lost as I could be until Jesus saved me. F.B. Meyer was a great preacher of another day in England. He wrote concerning his Christian life and his worth as a great preacher. He said, it makes one want to creep into heaven unnoticed. Do we deserve heaven? Are we simply thankful to God? We can come. Copernicus wrote these words. I do not seek the kindness given to Paul. Nor do I ask for the grace granted to Peter. But the forgiveness which thou didst grant to the robber. That I earnestly seek. These are great men. But they realized. And they had a spirit of humility. Before our great God. Humility is not degrading ourselves; It is valuing others. And valuing our God. Guys. It is possible to be too big for God to use. But never too small. Never too small. It is in humility that God can use us. Why do we think Paul was humbled by God? He later wrote, it is in my weakness that I am made strong. He began to realize it wasn't by strength or might that he could lead men into the kingdom. He had to humbly trust God. We can't do it by charisma or by twisting arms. We must do it by the power of the Spirit of God. We are to live humbly. King David had to leave the kingdom. His son Absalom, who had rebelled against him, was taking it away from him. Barefoot and shamed, in emergency, he and some of his people left Jerusalem in haste before they would be killed. As they were fleeing the city, the book of 2 Samuel tells us the story. As they're fleeing the city, there are those who come out and cry with the king. They're brokenhearted of what is taking place to him. But there is another, Shemai. Shemai comes out and he, he curses the king. You're getting what you deserved, he said. He throws rocks at the king. When the king's general who is with him wants to draw his sword and cut his head off, David said, no, leave him alone. But maybe God has told him to say these things. Humbled 
and humiliated by what took place. I'm going to ask you something, folks. Do we come alongside the king and wait with him? Or do we throw rocks at him? Do we throw rocks at those that fail and fall short? Or do we come alongside them to lift them up? Humility. Third, we are to live peaceably. Listen to verse 26. Let me drop down in the passage. Verse 26, chapter 5. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying one another. In chapter 5, verse 15, Paul says, If you bite and devour one another, be careful, or you will destroy your fellowship together. Devouring one another. We get frustrated with each other's believers. Those folks mess up sometimes, don't they? We get frustrated. That's part of life. But the question is not whether we will get frustrated or disheartened with one another. But whether we will treat one another with love or hate. Anger or resentment. Or with care. Church members and Christians are kind of like porcupines on a cold night. They need to get together for warmth. But they needle each other. I didn't write it but I thought it worth reading. We have got to overcome unkindness. We all understand a bully is a kid who takes another kid's lunch money, mistreats him. But sometimes we forget that a bully also is one who makes cutting remarks at another, is one who verbally jabs and attacks another. Those are the unkindnesses of a mature adult. It is the actions of a bully. Sometimes we live in unkindness to each other. And is there one of us who's not been guilty from time to time? We are to live peacefully. If we are, we've got to overcome selfishness. One day Abraham Lincoln was said to be walking down the street with his two boys and they were grumbling and fighting, fussing. And the man who passed by him and looked at the boys and said, boys, what's wrong? And Lincoln is said to have spoke up. And he said, the same thing's wrong with them, most folks in our world. He says, I got three pieces of candy and both kids want two. Selfishness. Most of us are familiar with selfishness. We've seen it a lot in the mirror. Been guilty of a lot as human beings. If we are to live peaceably, we cannot always be selfish. Sometimes we have to give in. We have got to overcome vindictiveness. In chapter 5, verse 15. If you keep on biting and devouring, watch out or you will destroy each other. There's times that we all want to strike back. In our world, when somebody does something wrong, the battle cry is fight back, hit back, hurt by back. 
But we have learned from Christ there is never a settled score. Only a cycle of pain. So many want to live like the Hatfields and the McCoys. I got to equal the equation. That may be the way of the lost world. But that is not the way of the people of God. And so I have to learn that. In my spiritual maturing as a believer. You ever wanted to get back? Some of us get more mature and figure out how to get back without anybody knowing it. But it's still vindictiveness. We've got to overcome if we are to live peaceably. The answer to is forgiveness, not more pain. When confession and repentance occur, it is over for God. It needs to be over for us. We are to live healingly. Chapter 6, verse 1 says this. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. We are to live healingly, not critically. When a girl is, has a child out of wedlock, do we reach out? Yeah, they're saying, you know it, I know it, and she knows it, and he knows it. Do we reach out to heal, or do we speak out to hurt? Which do we do? We are to live healingly. He goes on to say, he was caught in a trespass. What are we to do? Like Noah drunk and naked on the ground, caught in a trespass. Like David in his actions, like Peter in his denying of his Lord, or John Mark who gets tired of the difficulty of ministry and throws in the towel and quits. Do we throw them away like Paul wanted to do to John Mark? Or do we behave in a healing manner? So, hey, there's a way back to the kingdom of God. Do we love it when others fall because in our pride it makes us feel better? I was about 20 years old at this time. We were on two-week summer camp in the Air Force in Ohio. Been a tough week. Been out. Camping out, and the mosquitoes bite toted us away. We finally got to the barracks after two or three days of that. Guys were so excited because it was beer time. They brought in the big kegs of beer for the soldiers. Now, obviously, I was already a pastor at this time, and that wasn't on my menu. And I had tried to reach so many of these guys for Christ and hadn't been as successful as I wanted to be. I was about 19 or 20 years old. I don't remember exactly at that time. I remember on this particular day, I had a little piece of bar soap in my hand. And they had stood up in line to get their beer and their mugs. And I looked over at one of my buddies who had been there about 10 or 15 minutes waiting to get his. And he had finally got it. And I said, man, you don't need that stuff. And I reared back and chunked that little piece of soap. 
And as fate would have it, it fell right in the middle of that mug of beer. Was that a good thing? No. That was stupidity on my part. Every man has a right to make his own decision. And I didn't have a right to judge. But I'm going to tell you one worse than that. The next morning, some of them had gotten pretty drunk that night. Next morning, one of the guys was over there in his bed, and he had thrown all up in his bed after being drunk all night. And one of the guys looked at me, and he said, Man, he has just thrown all up in his bed. And I said, Serves him right for getting drunk last night. So much for empathy, right? Again, that wasn't smart. True, but not smart. Let me tell you what I should have done. I should have went and got a pail of water and a wash rag. And I should have woke that poor guy up and said, Hey, man, let's, let's get cleaned up. That's what I should have done. But that's not what I did. We are to live healingly with one another. The boy in the orphanage been visited many times when the pastor came. Preacher never asked him to say a blessing or a prayer because he had a real bad stutter problem and he, he knew it embarrassed him. On this particular day they were about to eat a meal right after he had visited and shared with the boys and, and, and he said, "Is anybody wants to volunteer to say our blessing and the boy throwed his hand up. He kind of quenched and okay. And the young boy said a tremendous prayer. Nothing Nothing great, just good, sound, heartfelt blessing. He didn't stutter a word. A little later, a preacher looked him up and said, Son, I'm confused. He says, Every time you talk, you stutter. He said, I don't understand. And the little boy looked at him. He said, When I, when I talk, I, I stutter. But, 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 but when I talk to, to God... I know he loves me. I'm going to tell you something in life. People in our world need to know that we love them. Pettiness can't be a part of our lives and be successful in our effort to reach a world around us. Now, my time is gone, but I got one last point. Let me stretch it quickly. We are to live appreciatively. Chapter 6, verse 6. Anyone who receives instruction of the word must share all good things with his instructor. Now, the main point was that they were to support the ministry, to pay for it, to carry it on. But I want to carry that a step further. We are to live as believers appreciatively to those around us who minister to us. From our parents to our friends that hold us accountable, to our Sunday school teachers, to the choir that leads us, the musicians that play for us, and the engineers that keep the sound going. We are to live our lives with an appreciative spirit. What does that mean? Folks, don't let us bury your mom and your dad, your Sunday school teacher, your friend, Without you somewhere along the way speaking your heart 
and saying, you don't know what you meant to me. It's worthwhile. Those are the kind of qualities that give us lives that we can reach others. Do we have them in our life? One of them? Two of them? The question is, is it our goal and ambition to make them all a part of who we are? It'll take a lifetime if we ever accomplish it. But if we're to reach a world around us, these are the kind of qualities that can help us one by one to be successful. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, forgive us where we have failed. But Lord, burn in our hearts a desire not to be shallow as believers. But Father, to build the kingdom by a life that truly reflects you to a lost world. Lord, for some of us, these will be harder. Some will be harder for us than others. And Lord, for all of us, there will be those upon which we struggle. But Lord, guide us as we mature as believers that when a lost world sees us, they might see Jesus within us. In Christ's name, Lord, we pray.